You're listening to the By What Standard podcast, where God's word is a standard and man's word is not. Welcome to the By What Standard podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Ham, And today we'll be discussing the topic of By What Standard. This will be the first episode in the series of the Ten Commandments. And this one, this episode is just going to kind of lay the foundation to what law is and to what um, the general thoughts are on on how we obey the law. And I think um, people have a general sense that oh yeah, we're going to obey the law of the land. But a lot of times as Christians, we don't think that we want to obey the law of God, um, or that we don't need to obey the law of God. And there is pros and cons to that, and there is truth and in, in lies in that. And I, and so that's kind of where I want to kind of discuss. Um, I'm not going to do a lot of background stuff on on Exodus 20, um, but I am going to do kind of do a little foundation laying for what is long, just kind of set the atmosphere or the mood for the Ten Commandments. So if you just sit back and hopefully you will glean something from what I have to say, but uh, we'll, we'll get started. First topic is what is law? I will be going through kind of three main topics, and that's be what is law, the need for God's law, and how should we live as Christians. These, to me, these three kind of work together and just kind of kind of go what 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 are we going to talk about? The the first one is what is law, and I and I think we need to understand what is law in a general sense, and then what is law in a biblical sense, because if if we don't understand what is law in a general sense, I, I think it's also hard for us to understand what is law in a biblical sense. So one of the first things I want to do is I want to read Psalm 119 verses 97 through 100. It, to me, this this one kind of kind of sets the mood, kind of uh, catapults us in the right direction to, to, I think, as how as us Christians need to think about what what we need to do in um, light of God's of God's word. So, Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. This one here seems a little contradictory sometimes because it's like, wait, what? What's going on? How can you? How can you love law when, when, as Christians, we, we're not under law, and and the law condemns, and and throughout Scripture, law does condemn, and so, I just kind of think that here, the understanding that the psalmist has about the law is is important because it kind of shows us how we need to think about God's law, that, that he loves God's law. He loves God's rules and he meditates them on them. He meditates on them all the day. And, and not only that, it makes him wiser and wiser than his, than the aged. It makes him wider than older people. Um, and, and that, that is kind of startling. I think that if the, the people, if we keep God's law and if we keep God's word, and we obey it, and we meditate on it, and we try our best to understand it in the right way, we're going to be rewarded for it. There is a reward that is going to come from 
being obedient to God in that way. So if if we're being obedient, and I'm going to kind of repeat myself, but if we're being obedient to our parents, there's going to be reward for it. You know, if, if you're good, you'll be rewarded with good responses, maybe um, physical stuff, maybe, you know, you, you might get, you know, depending on how old you are, you might get money, you might get, you know, you know, as a little kid, I remember, as a, you know, sometimes I was good, really, really, really good at certain times, I would get rewarded maybe with a toy or money once in a while. They weren't common things, but there were times like when I really went above and beyond and I got rewarded because my parents were trying to establish good behavior and they wanted reward for good behavior. But then when you were bad, things got taken away. So in the Christian sense, there is, um, God does reward those who are obedient. He, the scripture does talk about God does reward those who are obedient to him. And then God does punish or the, the, more accurate term, he disciplines his children that are disobedient and rewards his children when they are obedient because he's a good father and, he, and he's a better father than any earthly father and a good father does reward good behavior and does discipline bad behavior. So as we go through and start discussing law, I want to uh, uh, just kind of keep that in mind is that that we need to be obedient to to law because we love our father. We're supposed to love 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 the father and love what he's done. And so, if we're obedient to what he has to say, then there will be benefits for it. The Oxford Dish- Dictionary does give kind of a, I guess to say, a, a decent description of what law means. Um, the system of rules which a particular country or community recognizes as um, regulating the actions of the members and which they may enforce by the imposition of the penalties. Basically, government makes the rules and they put consequences to the rules and they enforce them. So if you steal, you get punished. If you don't steal, you don't get punished. Now, this is something I found interesting. There are three categories to law. Because I was, I was going through this. I'm like, well, what is law? How does that work? What does that mean? You know, what does law look like? Um, and I've heard these three terms before, but I've never understood what they meant. And so I kind of thought that they were quite interesting. So the first one is law. Uh, the government is in charge of this. Ethics, which is the group of people and morality, uh, usually what you do. So the, the law, kind of the definition I kind of gave is, is a interesting one. It's kind of my own sum up of what, what I think it was. Law is the government governing a society as a whole. And the sum up of that is what they. Ethics is the good behavior, habits, customs, and characters of the whole. What others Morality, the principle concerning right and wrong of the individuals, what you. So the kind of sum up three, three of them is what they, what others, what you. And these all kind of go hand in hand. They all kind of, you know, link together and uh, mesh together. So when the law 
of the land says you shall not steal. The morality comes together and says, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good idea. What we won't steal. And then when the uh, ethics comes together as as the whole, they say yes, that's what we great. It's the it's the law says we will not steal. The in- individual morality that makes more sense. The individual morality says yes, and then we come together as ethics and say yes, that's that's wrong. The problem comes in when the individual morality says, I think that's wrong or I think that's acceptable. And then that starts bleeding into the ethics and starts making groups that think the law is okay or some laws are not. And then that affects the law of the land. And that's kind of seems what's been going on, especially in recent years, is what the individual says is what the law says. It's almost it's almost autonomous now, where it's like we, we are independent from any government. And at the same time, we also want the government to enforce our independence. So the, I, I guess kind of the main topic I can think of is, is with um, the transgender community is their individual conscience, their individual morality says, this is what I want. And so the small group of people that legitimately think that and their ethics say that, and then the majority of people start now have starting to get affected by that and say, yeah, yeah, that's okay. That they, they should be allowed to, to do that, and that affects the law. Now, the problem we're coming into is that the small group of people that think what they think about themselves, and it can be gender, race, economics, whatever it is, we're coming to a point where we're not thinking clearly about our actions and what we think is okay, and we're just acting on what we think is okay. So if I think that taxes need to be lowered on the poor and raised on the rich, and I get enough people behind me to to kind of support that, but that's not backed by truth, it's just backed by my own conscience, my own morality, and I get enough ethics to support that, the law will eventually change change things. Um, and that's not always good. Um, it's it's good in some sense. It, it it is good during you know during civil the Civil War times when black people were enslaved. There was enough people gathering around and rallying up and says this is wrong. The indi- the individual came by and said this is wrong. We need to to stop doing this. And the ethics ended up agreeing on that, which then changed the law of the land for the good. But does that mean every single person under the law is going to agree on it? No, it's that's not what's going to happen, because that's in a perfect world, yes, but in our world, no, and 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 we understand that it works that way because the way we have jails, we have jails, right? Because people don't agree with what the law says. I want it, so I'm going to take it. Um. Is, and, that, and that goes really with anything. You know, I, I, I'm angry at somebody so much that I want to take their life. Or I want that thing so much I want to take it. Or, you know, I, I'm not happy with what I have, so I want this other thing. And that's, that's a good general sense of what lawbreakers do. In, in the sense of 
normal society sees lawbreakers. People steal, murder, you know, rape, all, all these things. They want something and they want to take it. General sense, people say, yes, those are the lawbreakers. But this also goes down deeper into the heart issue where we, God gives us his, his, his commands and then we go, well, I don't like that. I, I want, I want to do, I want to do this. And in the individual conscience, the morality says, I want to do that. And we get, and we rally the ethics to do it, to disobey God's law. This goes all the way back in the garden. The serpent, his morality, his own personal conscience was against God. And he wanted to get back at God because I want this. I want to get back at God. I didn't get what I wanted. So I want to get back. So the devil possessed the snake, went to, went to Adam and Eve, tempted Eve. Adam was there, didn't listen. Both of them had hearts rebuilt against God. Adam could have stopped it because... He should have stopped it, and he didn't, and he allowed them both going to sin. Because both individuals' morality thought that it was okay to defy God. And, and then that is their group effort, as their ethics decided it was going to be okay to defy God, and then they end up breaking God's law. And this has been going on for, for, for ever since the fall. I mean, you can you can just see this. This, this keeps going on. Cain and Abel... Um, a little bit further down, descendant of Cain, who's was uh, killed more people and was proud that he killed more people than Cain's. And then we get the Tower of Babel, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse from where hum- humanity takes their own stance on God's law and says, this is, this is what I want to do. And we have a tendency to rally other people up to our own cause and defy God's law. So hopefully... That, that can help you out what, what ethics, morality, and law is. Law is what they say. Ethics is what uh, what others think. And then morality is what is what you do or what you think. Um, and there's pros and cons to it. And like I said, there's pros and cons. Um, your morality can also help you stand against the bad ethics and law. So the Law of the land says abortion is legal, it's fine, people are fighting for abortion. And as a Christian who's informed by God's word, realizes that what is in a mother's womb is a human being. They may have different levels of dependency, but they're still in the mother's womb, and that is murder. And and I don't agree with what the morality, the ethics, and the law say about that. So I just don't agree with the whole the wholeness of of that decision. So it can be good and it can also be bad. And the reason the reason we can determine if our morality is good, which then which is informed by our ethics and our law, the reason I can tell if that's on the right path is by going to something that's outside myself. I need to go to something that's outside myself because the Bible says the heart the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can understand it? Um and, and then it later goes on and says, the Lord can understand. The Lord is the one who understands. So I need to go outside myself. I need to go outside to someone else besides myself to get informed of what I need to do. You know, the, the proverb, um, lean out on your own understanding, but on your ways acknowledge him. Because he, the Lord is the one that's outside of me that can inform me, who is truthful and wise and, and, and knows all 
and is and is holy, holy, holy. And so he's the one we need to go to for for that understanding of of what to do. So so when I make a decision, I can I can compare it to God's word and say, is this right or is this wrong? Well, this doesn't seem to line up for scripture, so this is probably wrong. Um, and then sometimes, oh, this doesn't. The Bible doesn't really talk about this all the time. So how do I act? And how do I act in that situation? And then sometimes we can go to other brothers and sisters in Christ and help get that. Go to our pastors. Um, and then sometimes you can also judge by how does society um, view things. I know throughout history there has been certain things that are not inherently sins, but that the church has kind of steered steered away from just because that was the common thing of the world so they kind of stared away from it i know at, at certain points in history um christmas the some of the churches actually um condemned christmas because um that's mostly what people thought and then the catholic church at the time or there was the protestants and catholics and there's this big kind of divide so a lot of the churches said no church um christmas is 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 bad so some sometimes it, things can get kind of gray in, in in the way we act but then some things are just plain black and white so but we that's why we need god's word to go and understand what to do and what not to do because if we don't do that if we don't go to the source then we're going to end up in very 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 dangerous situations we're going to end up just like the society that we see that we go what are they thinking because they're not thinking they're just acting on their heart and their heart is wicked, and it's deceiving them, and it's bringing them to destruction. So, that's kind of what is law, um, the brief summary of, of what is law, and just kind of little, little, uh, uh, I guess, uh, overview of how we need to act with, with the law of the land and with the law of our hearts. As I kind of touched on briefly, um, I kind of started bleeding into a little bit, kind of setting it up, but the need for God's law is great. Um, the, and I, and I kind of brought into that, the, the verse is, you know, the, the heart is deceit, deceitfully wicked above all things. It needs to be, um, it needs to be corrected. It cannot, it cannot be left to its own demise and make good decisions because our, our compass is broken. I always think of Pirates of Caribbean with Jack Sparrow. He had a little compass that kind of went to your heart's desire. The problem with that is, is it's going to go this way and that way, and he's going to go all over the place. We need a compass that is, that is pointed north. We need a compass that is straight and true that will not sway. And everybody under the sun, go read Ecclesiastes, everybody, will bring their own way to, to truth. We'll bring their own way to the north. We'll bring their own way to to eternal life. And they bring a lot of good valid arguments. I mean, people don't believe Mormonism because it's lies. People believe Mormonism because they think it's truth. People don't become an atheist because they think it's lies. They think it's truth. People don't depend on science and and you know whatever you can think of because they think it's lies. No, because they think it's truth. The devil's really good at lying, and he's and he's the father of lies, and he's really good at helping us be confident in our own self-deception. And so I just think that we really, especially in today's age, we really need to get down to 
what does God say? And is it the standard? Because I'm seeing a lot of churches now slowly, slowly, slowly start, start to bow the knee to the government and say, the Bible's important, but government, you're more in charge than what God says. Christ is king and he and he's ruler, but you're more in charge than, than what um, the Bible says. Or society, you're more in charge. Or social media, you're more in charge than, than what God says. And so we're starting to bend that knee and buckle to, to what the rest of the world says and not what God says. And that's very dangerous. The thing about the law is, I think the reason, the need for it, but the reason that we don't think we need it is because the law condemns. The law is good. The law is good and we should, and the psalmist says we should meditate. He, he meditates and he kind of gives us that we should meditate on it too. Look to the psalmist and see how does he act and that's how we should act. The problem with that is, when we look at law, law is not comfortable. If you're in a courtroom, it's because you broke the law, or at least convicted of, um, of or brought on charges of breaking the law. You know, if you steal something, the law is not going to be in your favor. The law stands against you. The law stands condemning you and pointing his finger at you. And you have lawyers that come in and try to defend you and prove that you didn't do what, what the law says clearly that the law thinks you did and the same goes for with the law of god is that if you're a holy and righteous person without sin the law is beautiful the law is amazing because you're not condemned it, it, it proves that you are a righteous person but to the sinner the law is bad the law is never good good for you it stands and it condemns you and it points its finger at you and so Paul, Paul kind of talks about that in Romans chapter 7. You know, the law is good, but the law, you know, is 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 dead and, and this and that. And so, but Paul does say, if it weren't for the law, he would not understand what coveting was. And that's the good thing about the law of God is it, it it's a mirror. It shows us who we are at at life. It shows me who what our decisions and where our motives are. And, and it brings us to to need something that's outside of ourselves that bring us to the need of a savior. And it starts revealing us, revealing to us that we need, that we need a savior. Um, because, because we're, we're not good judges for ourselves on that matter. Um, the proverb says, uh, who can say I have made my heart pure. I am clean from my sin on equal weights and on and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord, Proverbs 29 through 10. <laughs> the unequal weights and unequal measures is, is someone trying to cheat the scales. You know, che cheating scales are, are her never her delight to the Lord. Um, someone trying to make it look like you have more than what you have or you don't, you know, what's, you go pay taxes and let's say you kind of, you know, tax fraud. You don't have to pay anything. Or you don't have to pay as much because you're you're frauding the government. You're frauding the IRS. Um, that happens on different scales, obviously. But um, those cheating scales, you're you're trying to cheat the system to to gain more than what you're than what you should have. Um, or cheating scale to pay more. I mean, sorry, pay less than what you should pay. Um, and same goes to the heart. Is is the heart is. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'm I'm clean. I'm a good, I'm a good Christian. 
Um, and the reason you can tell that that happens is if you go to anybody, and, and, I, and I challenge you to do this, you go to anybody and you say, hey, are you a good person? And they'll say, yeah, I'm a good person. And I would say, if you go ask Christians, are they a good person? They would say, yeah, I'm a good person. And I'm not saying there is no standard of good that we do need to follow. And there is. When, when you generally ask someone a question, are you a good person? The answer is going to be yes, because most of us are law-abiding citizens. We try to treat everybody fairly. We try to do things correctly. But when we're talking on the general sense of a society, yes, there is a general good. And we need to recognize that. And we do need to applaud that. But deeper down in a biblical sense, I'm not talking about like, oh, that's just more theology or doctrinal. Like, no, it's important because if if you're a Christian, you're in the business of evangelism. I'm sorry, if you're not in the business of evangelism um, and you're a Christian, you need to get into that. I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but you need to start, you know, repenting, getting in there. You know, you don't have to go out on the street and start preaching. You don't have to go talk to every single person about Jesus, but you need to be ready and you need to be in the business of how do I share the gospel? How do I do that? How does that work? And it's going to work differently from everybody else. But you also need to learn that in what the scripture says, no one is righteous. No, no, not one. The heart, the heart is is dead and and we are enemies of God on on this on one side of the cross. Without Jesus, we're enemies. Um, so when we go to people and say, "Hey, are you a good person?" They say, "Yeah, I'm a good person." And then just bring the, just just bring a couple of ten commandments to them and say, "Well, have you ever stolen anything? No matter the value, no matter the size, something that's taken something that didn't, that didn't belong to you." And they'll say, "Oh yeah, I'm like okay, and just just." Glad, glad you're being honest. Have you ever told a lie? And they say, people say, well, yeah, mostly. You know, have you ever committed adultery? You know, or looked at a woman with lust or f- something like that? And they'll say, oh, yeah, you know, we all do that. I'm like, okay. And you just kind of bring to them and says, well, by your own understanding, you're a lying, thieving, adulterous, you know, and murderer at heart. So, you know, are you a good person? Well, and even then, after you bring those things to light, they'll still say, well, everybody does it. Or I don't do it as much as they do. Or it's not that bad. I mean, sometimes people will just flat out lie to you and say they just don't do things. Um, and, and we all know that they're lying. Um, they're like, oh, I, I never steal. Well, that's a lie. You do do that. You, But you steal in ways that you don't think is stealing because you've, um, you've covered it up with your own false, false truth. Um... But then you bring them to say, okay, well, on Judgment Day, if you're brought to the Lord who's holy and righteous, will you be allowed in the kingdom of heaven? And then they'll still say yes, because I've done a lot of good things. And so we see very quickly that hum- humans are we're really, we're masters at self-deception. So th- that's why we need the law, because the law condemns us. We need to be condemned. We need to be at the point where we go, I stand guilty. I stand guilty and I need to be punished for my crimes. And we need to get to that point. But as Christians, we don't stay in that point. And that's the beauty of it. We don't we don't stay in that state. And that's where the psalmist, I think, can say, I, I love your law, because he didn't stay condemned to what God God's law says. He he he's made righteous because of because of Christ.
I like this quote from Samuel Bolton. Um, in 1645, my dad sent me this quote. Um, I thought it was pretty good at kind of describing our need for, for the law and just kind of what the law is. So I'm going to try to read this f- for you. We cry, we cry down the law. Yeah, no. Oh, that's, is it the right quote? No, yeah, okay, that is the right quote. I thought I was reading the wrong quote. We cry down the law in respect of just of justification, but we set it up as a rule of sanctification. The law sends us to the gospel so that we may be justified, and the gospel sends us to the law again to inquire what is our duty as those who are justified. I like this one because it it shows us. One, is cool to see someone from 1645 talk about what we need today. And, and the reason they're writing this stuff is because it was needed back then. Um, and that is the law brings us to, to the need of a savior. The law, the law brings us there and the gospel, the gospel justifies us. And that's the cool part. The gospel makes us clean. And I think as, as a society, we all cry out. We want justice. We want justice. Why do you think that social, social justice is so popular? Because we want rights to be made wrong. The problem is if we don't have a standard of what wrong and right is, we're going to make up our own right and wrong. And that's the problem. I like uh, what uh, John Gershner said. Uh, you can love the law. Sorry. You cannot love the law. There we go. That's better. <laughs> it's like you can like, wait, that didn't sound right. You cannot love the law and love Christ, O Jew. And you cannot love Christ and not love the law, O Christian. So Jews, you cannot say that I love the law. And then that's basically what he's saying is, oh, Jews, you cannot love the law and, um, you know, be, be and not love Christ. You know, you can't do that. And then a Christian, you cannot love Christ and not love law because they're so connected with each other. Remember, remember, Christ is God, and He spoke the law. Okay, He He's God. He He made the law. So so Christ didn't hate the law. Christ loves the law because it's His words. So if He's the Word, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. My stance on that is every time we hear God speak in the Old Testament, that's Jesus. So. So Jesus is speaking things, and then when he comes to the New Testament, he's got he's got to fulfill it because he's got to hold it up correctly. He cannot be a hypocrite. He's he's going to hold it. So he's got to fulfill it, but he's going to do it perfectly because he loves his own law. God loves his law. The Father loves the law. The Holy Spirit loves the law, and Jesus Christ loves the law because God is truth. He's got to stand to what he. To what he said. So, so this thing about laws, law condemns us, but it's good because it also reveals our need for a savior. Um, and so th- that's just w- what we need to, we need the law because in, in, and as Christians, it's like, Oh, law condemned me. I saw my need for a savior and now I don't need it anymore. No, because the law also continues to help, help us understand, Oh man, I'm so, you know, maybe one day you're like, I'm just so angry. Um, and the brother, maybe a loving brother comes up beside you and says, hey, man, you know, I know I know, you're angry, but that's not right. And you say, well, who says? I'm angry. Well, 
Jesus said, you know, if you, even if you get angry with, with someone in your heart, that's murder. And he's like, oh, you're right. Thank you. Or, or, Hey, the Bible says, you know, those who say that they love their brother, but, but, uh, I mean, those who say they love God, but hate their brother, you know, doesn't, may may not love God because they don't, they, they don't like the, they don't love the one that they can't see. Sorry. Let me rephrase that. When someone gets mad at their brother, they're saying that they don't love God because they're not loving the one they can see. So how can you love the one that you can't see? Um, and so, so the law brings that and the law helps us as, as Christians, as, as we can help each other out in, in working together through this, this life and, and how we can work together and growing in Christ with the law and gospel at this beautiful marriage together. And finally, we have how should Christians live? And I kind of touched this on before to kind of help it kind of blend in into this. But how do Christians live um, with the law? How, how do we live? Um, we keep the law out of love because Christ kept them out of love and obedience. Christ kept the law because he loved the law. He loved the Father. He loved, he loved, he loved the rules. He, he loved what the Father has sent him to go do. Um, and he kept it out of love and obedience because he needed to be obedient because obedience is, is pleasing to the Lord. And obedience is righteousness. And we needed someone who is holy and righteous and pure and untainted with sin. We needed a sinless man to die for in our place. And we keep the law, not now, we keep the law out of love and obedience, but not in the way Christ did. We keep the law out of love and obedience because of Christ. Because of Christ. And remember, Christ on the cross, when he said, it is finished, it was finished, we don't keep it to earn salvation. We keep it because of salvation. We keep it because we're saved. We keep it because of what Jesus did. And we get to rest in Christ. And we get to keep it and say, oh, Lord, I love, I'm going to try to keep your law. And then we fail. The law says, hey, you failed. And then the gospel says, but look what Christ did. Let's repent and let's keep on going forward. And we keep going and we keep going. And then we fail. And the law says, look, look, you didn't meet God's standard. And the gospel comes and says, yes. And then also look what Christ did. So let's repent and let's keep going on. And, and then the, the long gospel kind of do this. They're, they're on the same trajectory. They're not opposed to each other. They're on the same trajectory. Um, because at one point, yes, the law does condemn. The law does show us. But because of the gospel, we can look at the law. And then we can say to the psalmist, oh, how I love your law. I want to meditate it on all the days. Um, and, and the reason we can do this, and I, and I like what Galatians 2.20 through 21 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And so, and so that's, that's, I love this. We are in Christ. He, we've died with Christ. We've risen with Christ. I don't live this life on my own now. I live, I live in Christ. Christ lives in me. He's the one. The father sees me as righteous because Christ, um, I'm not standing condemned. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, and then, and then Paul also goes on and says, he does not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Righteousness 
is is not obtained by us. We 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 can't do it. Righteousness is obtained by Christ. By by what that and and, and you know we cannot strive to have righteousness. It's it's a it's a down it's a upward downward um, battle because it's impossible. Um, Christ Christ fulfilled it. Christ gave us our righteousness through His obedience and His love for us. His obedience to to the law, His obedience to the Father, and then their love for us and and that penalty that was paid in our on our behalf on the cross was paid in full for us. And when we get to get to walk in in righteousness because because of Christ. And and as we go through Christian life, we need to remember that that we're that we're all sinners, we're all trying to do these things for God and that we're gonna fail. But but I do think the law helps us and I, I like kind of what um what first John says. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. And there's many verses in the Bible that talk that, that link up to this. Um, we're in Christ. We should love our brothers too. We're in Christ. Because if we want to love God, we got to love our brothers. Um, and so the law helps us to understand, hey, hey, brother. Hey, brother, I, I, think, I don't think that's right. I don't think you need to be doing that. And we make sure the log is out of our own eye first. But we also need to go and say, hey, brother, I love you. I don't think that's the right decision. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that was appropriate for this situation. Um, and, 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 so, and then when it comes to older brothers and sisters that are maybe years ahead of us and we see them sitting, we can come to them too uh, in respect and say, hey, hey, I, I saw that. Um, what's your thoughts on, on, on that? You know, maybe you see a brother kind of taking the Lord's name in vain. And you're just like, oh, hey, brother, what's taking the Lord's name in vain mean to you? And we want to lovingly, we don't want to condemn and say, yeah, it was wrong. Because one, that's just not good. We need to judge our own hearts first by what the Lord says. We need to examine us with the scriptures, take the log out, then go help other brothers. Um, and, and there may come points where we have to be very harsh and we may have to do enact church discipline. And there may be points where we just, where we need to just go out and say, we just need to abstain from that person. We just need to stay away from them because they are acting incorrect in hopes that it will bring them into repentance and, and to be brought back. But maybe they will walk away and never come back because they were never, they went from us because they're not of us. Um, and so that's just kind of how we live our life as Christians is we live under grace. Um, and the law is a beautiful thing. It helps us to understand by what standard do we, uh, do we live. Um, so if we don't understand the standard in which we should live, we're going to make up our own standard and is going to go all kinds of crazy. So hopefully this uh, introductory was helpful. Um, and it was clear and concise. Um, I just trying to get things sorted out here. And hopefully the next 10 episodes will be um, short and sweet. Um, 
you know, I don't want to go on too long, but hopefully they're, they're, they make sense. So I just hope that this all, this all made sense. So thank you all for listening. I don't have any plugs right now. Um, and I do want to give a couple shout outs. I want to say, um, go, go listen to some fight, laugh, feast over on fight, last feast. They got an app. Great, great guys. They are awesome stuff. They got some cool news briefs on and news briefs and news stuff about the news from a Christian worldview. And I love it. It's got great topics, great things they talk about. Um, it is really encouraging for this day. You know, we fight for the gospel. We feast and we laugh. We, we fight, we laugh, and we feast. And that's the love of it is, is we fight for truth. But we laugh and enjoy life. And, and, and that's the thing. We laugh and enjoy what God's given us. You know, and that's that's beautiful. Um, and I also want to go give a plug to Wretched Radio. Um, go go check them out. I'm not sponsored by them or anything at all whatsoever, but the two great create medias that I love. Um, Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Great content. Great Christian content helping you how to live a good Christian life and live pleasing to the Lord and practically. And that's what I love. So I just want to thank you for that. I thank my dad for helping me out and giving me feedback and supporting all this. And then thank my good friend Mallory for helping me give me feedback on this episode. Um, I did, I didn't tell this earlier, but I did do this episode previously and I just didn't like where it went. It was just too drawn out. So I read, I've, re, I've redone this and hopefully this is better than the first one because I wanted my first introductory episode to be of a better content i mean it's not gonna be perfect because obviously i'm still working on this i mean i'm sitting under a blanket in my on my bed with my phone at my face so obviously i'm still trying to work out everything but having said that just trying to get all this uh um uh, worked out so hopefully it's a little better because the one it was like an hour long and it just, just didn't like how just how it was all working so hopefully this is better i just want to continue to um, make good content so hopefully in the next week or so the first commandment um will be out um i'm gonna try to do episode a week um and just try to get that and if anybody has any comments or thoughts or criticisms please let me know um um so do that i don't have any way at this moment i'm going to be hopefully this upcoming weekend, I'm going to try to get an Instagram account so at least I can get people at least having some feedback. I think you can make, leave comments on certain platforms that will this be going out to. I'm not sure, but hopefully I'll be giving ways that you guys can uh, uh, contact me and giving me feedback and criticism and, and how it can improve. Um, and maybe and also maybe point out maybe where I, where I might be wrong. That's also helpful too. I also need to be informed. Um, so hopefully that's all that. And uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. Great. Hope you guys have a great day and God bless.